MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The biggest football games of the season are coming, and Bet Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, try a multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combo. Combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bet. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by BetRivers. Hey, it's Holden from VEASAN. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Hope everybody had a great New Year's. 2022 is off to a very good start as we hit our Chargers Packers teaser. Uh, didn't look good from the get-go for the Broncos, so teasing the Chargers down from six and a half to six was a pretty easy decision. I don't want to say we got lucky with the Packers minus a half, but let's face it. Uh, Kirk Cousins was out. Sean Mannion was in. I still feel that that Packers bet was going to cash anyways. We are 1-0 in 2022, and I'm going to have another pick for you a little bit later on in this show. Uh, we'll have a bet recap from yesterday's game. I got something on Javante as far as uh, a bet going forward. And for those of you that had eight and a half wins under, congratulations. You won that bet. Uh, unfortunately for Broncos fans, uh, things not as good. Also going to remember Dan Reeves, a great Broncos coach, getting him to Super Bowls. Ian St. Clair, my buddy who shows up every Wednesday, is going to join me. Monday night football, a lot of lines, a lot of movement, a lot going on there. I'll give you a pick. And um, Vic Fangio, we know he's bad at challenging. I got the numbers plus Antonio Brown. What a disaster that was yesterday. But again, we are 1-0 in 2022. Uh, I bet two times in game during the Broncos loss uh, to the Chargers. Uh, the first one was I bet the under 45. I think actually, you know what? It was down to 44 and a half. Uh, early on in this game, saw it at 44 and a half. I said, there's just no way that the Broncos are going to be able to score here. And unfortunately, that bet lost late. Um, Noah Fant gets a five-yard touchdown pass from Drew Locke. Like seriously, the whole game, Nothing going on offensively. Drew Locke backdoor covers the over in this one. A three-minute, 47-second drive, which hurt. Uh, also bet Javante under, it was around 34 and a half, 35 and a half. I can go back and look, but I'm not going to. Um, under Javante rush yards and that one. And I think going forward, it's just time to take his under. 
and it's just one more week, week 18. But let me tell you why. Because the last two weeks, 21 carries, 42 yards. Okay, you say, what is going on there? This guy is better than that. And I think there's two reasons. I think the first thing is that as bad as many of you think Teddy Bridgewater is, and I just think he's the absolute average. Like, he is the mean, median, and mode. I don't remember what those three things mean, but I kind of get the concept. And I think that he's just league average. That's, that's who Teddy Bridgewater is. And you go to Drew Locke, and you go to below league average. And it's nice. Locke is not turning the football over, but he's also not making plays, which is the big problem. So I think that with Locke under center, that gives the opposing defenses just more opportunities to sit there, stuff the box, and stop the run. I think the second thing is, and I'm going to put more weight in it now than I did for the last couple of weeks, I think Javante's knee is bothering him. I really do. So the combination of Drew Locke being there, killing positive game script so that the Broncos can run the football uh, the whole game, and they really needed to abandon it last week, uh, last two weeks, as a matter of fact, the knee, the negative game script, and I expect another negative game script in this game coming up against Kansas City. I, I really hope they don't shut Javante down. He's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but Kansas City's better at stopping the run. Everything changed, you know, after week seven or eight. They've been terrific. And if they post this anywhere below 40, I mean, anything, I, I'd even go down in the 30s, but just to be comfortable, like 39 and a half, 40, I would bet the under. Is it possible Javante breaks one for 20 yards? Yes. And I just want to give myself some cushion, but he was at 56 and a half yards. 56 and a half yards was his rushing prop and he's got 42 rushing yards over the last two weeks. So again, uh, I see unders in the future or, uh, and under in the future for Javante and the Broncos. And I can't imagine them going all the way from 56 down to like 45 even. But if they do, again, I think we hit the under anywhere right around 40, 39, 40. That's what I feel comfortable with. A uh, couple other things here. The team total against Kansas City. I don't see it being set at 13 and a half. It was set at 17 and a half this last week. And the only reason why I even considered not betting it was because the running game for the Broncos and they could exploit the Chargers awful run defense. And that's really what my thought process was there. But I didn't end up making the bet. And I think with four touchdowns, in these last one, two, three, four games. So what, they got the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Chargers. They, and again, they just keep killing themselves right there at the goal line. They couldn't score a touchdown again. Like we had the big one against Kansas City where they had the long drive, they couldn't complete it. And you had yesterday right there and they throw a, a pass to Drew Locke at the goal line. It was just a joke. It's, it's a complete disaster. We'll get to that in a few minutes too. But four touchdowns last four weeks, I'm going to look at the team total under, and even if it's at 13 and a half, I'm going to bet the under. I really feel that way. The Chiefs, they've moved this game back to our two o'clock window. The Chiefs are playing for the top seed. Uh, they will be going 100% all out in this game, and I just don't see how the Broncos are going to put points up. It just it doesn't make sense to me how they're going to do it. I hope that this line is somewhere at 17 and a half. I wouldn't be shocked to see it at 16 and a half. And I would bet it under all the way to under 13 and a half. 
a touchdown and a couple of field goals. Um, I, I think it's going to be really tough for the Broncos coming up to score against Kansas City. So I'm looking forward to seeing the odds here as the week goes on. Uh, Bet Rivers. And again, if you see these pop up, if it's anywhere 39 and above, bet the under on Javante. And if it's anywhere for the Broncos team total 13 and a half or more, you bet the under. So those are the two things I'm looking at going forward. Also, congrats to you that bet against your favorite team or just bet against the Broncos. Under eight and a half wins does cash. This team will not win uh, more than that. Well, they won't win more than seven if they can't win this weekend. I mean, what a whew, what a tough one. Just limping into the finish line here for the Denver Broncos. Now, let me bring something up about Vic Fangio because we've said this uh, probably all season long, right? That this team just needs a new head coach. We've known it for a while. How frustrating is it to watch a head coach do something over and over and over again and continue to fail? Very frustrating. It is very frustrating watching Vic, watching Vic Fangio coach a team. And I'm going to talk about challenges now because he had an asinine challenge on Sunday. I don't even know why he challenged it. Did someone upstairs tell him that Eckler's knee was down? It really wasn't even close to being down. I didn't get it. But ultimately, the guy that throws the challenge flag is Vic Fangio, and he's the one to blame. So my... I guess my solution to this is just to take the flag away from Vic Fangio in week 18. Just don't let him use it. Just don't let him use it. Then we don't have to waste our time sitting and waiting for what we know is going to happen. The ultimate conclusion being Fangio being wrong. Just take the challenge flag away from him. That's it. Unfortunately, there's not an owner here to say, hey, Vic, give me your challenge flag. You're done. Uh, but it would be a nice, a nice thing for Vic to do toward the end of the season, just get rid of it. So here's how bad he is after that asinine challenge on Eckler. He's one for eight in challenges this season. That's almost impossible. You know how tough it is to be wrong seven out of eight times on a challenge? Like you'd think you'd get lucky and go maybe two for eight, three for eight, nope. And how bad has it been in his three years here? Because now we've got 16, 16, and 48 games. He's... Four and 16 on challenges. He has lost 16 of his 20 challenges. You knew that was a problem. You knew the special teams was a problem. That didn't get fixed. The quarterback play has not gotten fixed. You know, this is just one more thing. I wasn't even going to talk about the challenges until he gets fired after the season. And, and then I see this challenge for Eckler. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Let's see some of his counterparts here. Brandon Staley. Okay. He hasn't been great. He's one of four this season. One of four. For some reason, Fangio has, has challenged double the times of Staley, and he's gotten the same amount right. Andy Reid. I didn't know Andy Reid was, was this good and this, I guess, stingy with his challenges. He's five of five. Five for five on challenges the last two seasons. Pro football reference, by the way, with the great coaches challenging stats. Andy Reid, terrific. One of the best. Maybe the best. He is the best. He has the number one ranked uh, challenge. He is the number one ranked challenger out there. Uh, Anthony Lynn. We'll go back to Staley for a second. He's one for four with the Chargers. Anthony Lynn. We all remember Anthony Lynn. As bad of a head coach as he was, he was four and six in 10 challenges. He won four of his 10 challenges. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I would take that, wouldn't you? 
especially after what we've seen out of Vic Fangio, I, I would absolutely take 40% as opposed to 416, what, 25% in his career and right around 20% this year. Uh, Rick Bisakia, Bisaccia, Bisaccia, the Raiders interim coach, only 0 for 1, so I really, I'm, we're going to throw that one out. Uh, we remember our old buddy Vance Joseph, who is really a terrific defensive coordinator, just like Fangio is. Vance went just two of nine. Uh, so again, hiring defensive coordinators to be head coaches and make head coaching decisions really hasn't worked out here, and it hasn't worked out in the challenges. So if we throw Vance Joseph in there with Vic Fangio, the Broncos head coaches are six for 25 in coaches' challenges. Six for 25. Not a good number. Not a good number at all. Um, and then you had John Fox, who actually was decent. You know, 13 and 17 in his 30 tries. But I think a telltale sign of a guy that just does not handle the in-game management well, challenges. Just being this horrible at it and mismanaging timeouts. These things come back to bite you, especially in the second half. You lose a challenge, you're losing a timeout. So... And there had to have been plays that he didn't challenge, right? I mean, I haven't even gone back on those. I, we'd have to watch the film of every game and say, oh, he should have challenged there. He should have challenged there. Should've, should've. He didn't. He just didn't. Um, so very frustrating here. There will be a coaching change. If there's not, it's, it's going to be messy for George Payton. He has to get rid of Vic Fangio. He just has to at this point. And you know it, and I know it. Everybody knows it. And fine, maybe Vic is, is up there schmoozing with Peyton. Hey, you came here because of me. But look at the record. Look at the development of the offense. Look at the challenge record. Just look at the team record. It's a failed experiment. And unfortunately, the Broncos are going to be on to another head coach. And maybe, just maybe, the next one is the one that works out. Okay, Ian St. Clair, PlayColorado.com joins me to remember the life and times of Dan Reeves, Broncos head coaching legend, next on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. As promised here on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, Ian St. Clair, PlayColorado.com. We're going to talk Bron Broncos coaching. Uh, we'll get to Vic Fangio here in just a couple of minutes. But Ian, hello, and you've been around a long time. We're a couple of old guys here, right? Uh, Dan Reeves passing away. It's just it's been rough. Demarius Thomas, Dan Reeves. We've had a lot of people. John Madden just passing away too. Um, it's been a, a rough last few weeks, and. I think the younger Broncos fans really not too familiar with Dan Reeves, but you and I probably, you were probably what, middle school, teenager, when the when the Broncos got to the Super Bowl um, for the first time under Reeves in 86, what, 86, 87, and then 89 with John Elway. Talk to me about on and off the field Dan Reeves, Ian. And you mentioned all the people who have passed, and we just came up on the 15th anniversary of Derrick Williams. So it's... It's been a rough couple of weeks, and the, the news of Dan Reeves 
was pretty it was pretty crushing because he ushered in the most successful point in Broncos history uh, because he came in in 1981 prior to Pat Bowen buying the franchise in 1984. He was a part of trading for John Elway and we know how that went. I, I just, I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for the success that he had, because if you look at his, not just his time with the Broncos, but his career in football, in 39 years in the NFL, he went to nine Super Bowls. There's only two people in the history of the NFL who have gone to more Super Bowls. That's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But in terms of the Broncos, Dan Reeves was just as responsible for the success the franchise had over the course of Pat Bowen's remarkable ownership than anyone. And I think he should be a Pro Football Hall of Famer. To, to lead three teams, to... to take a team to three Super Bowls in four years, I don't think gets the credit it deserves because Marv Levy took an even better Buffalo Bills team with Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed, Bruce Smith. They went to four Super Bowls in four years. That's ballyhooed as a great accomplishment. Dan Reeves took a team that had John Elway and a great defense to three Super Bowls in four years. That team had no business going to three Super Bowls in four years, but he did it. And I, I just, I, I wish he would get the credit that he deserves, not just from Broncos fans, but the all, all of football to appreciate the life that he brought to the NFL. And I've always said, can you write the history of the NFL without said person? And you can't do it without Dan Reeves. No, you can't. And I think it speaks a lot to Dan Reeves and John Elway. You know, the fact that they went to Super Bowl three out of four years. But you brought up Marv Levy. I actually put him in the same class as Marv Levy. Great head coaches who just didn't happen to win Super Bowls. You know, he, he got there, what, uh, four times as well. He went 0 for 4 as well. I actually thought it was a hell of a coaching job with Atlanta that year, too. Absolutely. What were they, 14 and 2? And that was back in 98. Um, and they and I think that, that was the year Eugene Robinson won the man of the year and they got busted with a prostitute, which was ironic. which was horrible. Um but back to Dan Reeves here. Can I bring you something up? I want to. I want to talk to you about something. You probably don't know this. Dan Reeves was four and twenty-four on coaches' challenges, um, but he was still a great head coach. The guy coaching right now is not that good, and he also loses challenges. But I just want everybody to know. You know, challenges must be very hard. But Ian, back to this. When you look at those teams, the the eighty-six team, the eighty-seven team, the eighty-nine team. How integral, now a head coach is going to be, his footprints all over this thing, but just how integral was he? Number one, John Elway. Number two, was it Dan Reeves as far as importance to getting to the Super Bowl? I would actually put Dan Reeves above John Elway. Wow. Because he had he had his footprint all over that team. He, he was a part of trading up to get John Elway. He was also a part of drafting Steve Atwater and Shannon Sharp, who – proved to be two Hall of Fame players. So that, that's three Hall of Famers that Dan Reeves was a part of getting to the Denver Broncos. But I, I maybe you go 1A, 1B. I, I think they're, they're right with each other. Obviously, John Elway, for what he did on the drive, to lead a team that was down and they're on their own two-yard line with around five minutes left in the game and he leads them back to win, 
I mean, obviously they have to go into overtime and then Rich Carlos kicks the game-winning field goal. But I, I, I just – when you look at Dan Reeves, the, the stats just – they speak for themselves. Reeves is one of nine coaches with at least 200 total wins, including the postseason. He was 201, 174 in, turn, in, in two. In, in the regular season, he's one of 10 coaches to win at least 190 games. And you mentioned losing the four Super Bowls. Despite that, he still had an 11-9 and record in the playoffs. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Four of his losses came in Super Bowls. So I, I just, I, I think he is integral to the history of the Denver Broncos. He's, he is in the ring of fame. So I give the ring of fame committee credit for that. Now it's just, it's a shame that he's not going to be able to get that hall of fame nod while he's still alive. It'll obviously come posthumously whenever it comes, but there is a lot of consternation around Dan Reeves and there still is because a lot of people thought that Dan Reeves was the reason John Elway was held back because of the way that he ran the offense, that, that whole three yards on a cloud of dust cliche from uh, generations past. But I, he really was an integral part of this. And I, I would put him right there with John Elway in terms of those teams that went to those three Super Bowls in four years. But he did get into it with Shanahan too. Didn't he fire oh, Shanahan? Yeah. Um and that whole thing. And I, I don't know how much the younger fans know about that, but it wasn't it. The story was that he thought Shanahan was causing a rift between he and Elway. And that obvious, that, that ultimately was the thing that, that ended Shanahan's tenure in Denver at the time. And it obviously proved to be a blessing because he was able to go to the 49ers and learn how to be an even better coach. I, 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 credit Dan Reeves, Mike Shanahan would do so as well for learning how to be a coach in the National Football League. But that riff between him and Dan Reeves allowed him to go to San Francisco and learn from George Seifert. And he helped, obviously, Steve Young get the monkey off his back by winning that Super Bowl against the L.A. Chargers. And then there was also the whole thing about Dan Reeves openly trying to trade John Elway and drafting Tommy Maddox which uh, for all the success that Dan Reeves had drafting, yeah. he still is the guy who drafted Tommy Maddox as the hope that he would be the replacement for John Elway. And that's, that's where the consternation from, from Broncos fans comes from. It, it, but like I said, it, it's a part of his history, but it, it still doesn't take away from the success that he had. No, no. And and that was it. It was the getting to the Super Bowls there. And really getting to the Super Bowls with rosters that weren't as complete as the other teams that he had to face. And that was ultimately the thing that was the death knell in the in the Super Bowl. But for him not to be in the Hall of Fame while he was alive, it just pisses me off is yeah. what it is, Ian. I've seen it in baseball with Ron Santo. Like, all the guy wanted to do was make the Hall of Fame. And then he died and he gets in the next year. Uh, I don't know why it's going to take so long. He's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. But how do you not put a guy in there that gets his teams to so many Super Bowls? Like, he was one of the top two or three coaches in the National Football League for a big chunk of his career, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Of course. You, you had Parcells. You had Bill Walsh. These guys were there. Sure. But he was, to me, right in that next tier with Marv Levy, with some of these other great coaches. It, it's just sad that he's not going to be able to see himself get in there. And my sense is now, posthumously, the writers will realize that, hey, let's take another look at this. He deserves to go in. And That's happened, what I think happens. It, it happened with Pat Bowen. And he, yep. he should have been in the Hall of Fame before Jerry Jones. But 
it, they didn't get him in until he, until after he had died. And I, I worry that's going to happen with guys like Randy Gratishar, with Louis Wright, with Carl Mecklenburg. Those are three guys. If who if they had played anywhere else in the National Football League, especially if you put them on the East Coast, if you put them in Pittsburgh or Philly, yeah, they're in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the fact that Randy Gratishar is not in the Hall of Fame is a travesty. Same with Louis Wright. Louis Wright was the first shutdown cornerback in the National Football League, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Same goes for Carl Mecklenburg. Dan Reeves could literally put Carl Mecklenburg on any position in the front seven on his defense, and he would have success. He could put him at middle linebacker. He could put him at edge, and he would have success. And the fact that those guys aren't in the Hall of Fame is just a travesty. And hopefully uh, they do get their place in Canton, but we'll see. And I, it's just, and it's not just Dan Reeves. Marty Schottenheimer isn't in the Hall of Fame. And there's a lot of flack for Marty Schottenheimer never getting to the big game, but he was a hell of a coach too. He, he left his footprint on the National Football League with the way he coached with the Cleveland Browns, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chargers, and then finishing up with the Redskins. So Marty Schottenheimer too. I mean, two guys who were a part of NFL history with that AFC championship game between the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos are, are now both gone. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about yesterday, Ian. It was not a good time. It was a tough view, to be honest with you. Uh, Drew Locke is getting his shot uh, to prove whatever it is he needs to prove. I guess it is not turning the football over because he hasn't. He actually threw for more yards than Justin Herbert yesterday, which was a plus 260, so good for him there. Um, like, is it going to happen on Black Monday? Is Fangio just done? Do you see any scenario where, is he, where he is here uh, a week from today? No. I, I, I can't imagine that George Payton can look at what's going on with this franchise and see, no, I don't need to change anything. I, I mean, I would seriously have to question his football IQ at that point if he does not make a move because they need to. They need to get rid of Pat Shermer. They need to get rid of Tom McMahon. There's no way that Vic Fangio is going to stick around and be the defensive coordinator if he's not the head coach. So changes are coming. It's going to be one of the most pivotal off seasons in Broncos history because it's not just the coaches, it's the quarterback, and it's the ownership situation. There's rampant speculation that the Broncos are for sale, and it's not going to happen at least until the March owners' meetings when it can get approved. And then Peyton Manning could be coming back to save the Broncos for a second time. So while it was disappointing, not surprising, given the fact that the Chargers were embarrassed the week before by the Houston Texans of all teams, it was not surprising. I, there was no doubt that the Chargers were going to come out and lay wood to the Broncos. Now it's just it, it, they face the Kansas City Chiefs, who just lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. And leave it to the NFL to try to keep the drama going. They flex the Broncos-Chiefs game to Saturday. So at least we get that out of the way and we can have the rest of our weekend. But I, I have no doubt that Vic Fangio is going to be out on Monday. Yep. And they need somebody that probably has head coaching experience, to be perfectly honest with you. And if he doesn't have head coaching experience, he has to completely buy into the new school of of analytics and probably has to have really, really strong coordinators around him. That to me is what you're looking for for your next head coach. Absolutely. And someone who can read the game, 
has good game management, has good clock management, all the things that Vic Fangio does not have. That's, you know what, Ian, we'll get into this more Wednesday, but I really think that most head coaches stink at in-game management. I, I honestly, yeah. to God, do. After watching so much football for so many years, it's like, all right, Belichick's terrific at it. Go name another head coach that's great at in-game management. You can't. I mean, one of the you worst. You can't. They all stink, but some are just worse than others, right? One, one of the worst is Andy Reid, and he is still one of the most successful coaches in NFL history just based on wins and losses. But his yeah. game and time man his game and clock management are horrible. Mike McCarthy had those issues show up yeah. against the Arizona Cardinals. So absolutely. It, it's one of those things where I if I was a coach, I would just look at what Bill Belichick does and whatever he does, I'm doing it. Yeah. No, no, no question. No doubt about it. All right, buddy. Uh, once again, how do they find you on the social media? How do they read your stuff? And then we'll get you out of here. You can follow me at Ian St. Clair and at Colorado underscore play. And then playcolorado.com is your one-stop shop for news, analysis, opinion, features on anything sports gambling and betting to help make you a safer and smarter better. And when are we going to know about the uh, December handle? When does that come out? A couple weeks? I can't wait. At, at this point, it's they're following Illinois. So it should come any point this week. That would be Ooh. my guess since we're – coming off the, the, the two-week holidays of Christmas and New Year. So I would think that it would come from the Department of Revenue some point this week. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Ian, as always, thank you very much for hopping on the program. We come back, uh, a couple more bet reviews, reviewing some of the bets or the numbers, the lines that were out there for the Broncos and the Chargers. My thoughts on Antonio Brown and then a Monday night football bet. This is the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, thanks again to Ian St. Clair, playcolorado.com. Looking forward to catching up with him on Wednesday as well. Uh, Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers continues. So here's what I'm going to do now. Get into the Chargers-Broncos game betting recap. And then I want to give a couple thoughts on Antonio Brown. Uh, first of all, the betting recap. The Broncos were plus eight. That's when it closed. You would have lost that. They got blown out. There was nothing I wanted to do with the side. Uh, the total went over 45 because of that late Drew Locke passing touchdown. So if there wasn't already enough to be frustrated with Drew Locke about, and good job by not throwing any picks here. Three straight appearances, folks. Relief of Teddy Bridgewater in these last two games. I mean, they haven't scored points, but he's not turning the ball over. Um, it went over. It went over. I got beat in-game, and if you bet under at any point in time, um, that, that didn't work out for you. But nonetheless, the Broncos have just been terrific when you're betting the under in these games throughout the season. Chargers team total of uh, 26 and a half. That blew through the number. I mean, they just came out and laid it on the Broncos, and it wasn't just offensively. You know, Herbert didn't have a big day. 237 and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, their running backs, Eckler and uh, Justin Jackson, combined for 99 yards. It was really that special teams touchdown, wasn't it? Just an absolute killer. Andre Roberts 
Uh, and there was no coming back from that, 34-13, the final score. And here you go again, right? So the Broncos team total, 17 and a half. I'm kicking myself for not betting it. Seriously, we know Drew Locke is under center. How am I not betting the under 17 and a half? But I didn't, uh, I didn't bet it and uh, it bothers me. You know, normally I don't have non-buyers remorse. Usually it's if I lose a bet, I'm, up, I'm upset. The process, it's all about the process, learning things. What we learned this season is, you know, the Broncos have trouble scoring. They really have trouble scoring with Drew Locke. Didn't make the bet. It would have won if you went under. So if you went under, congratulations. Uh, TD bets. I always like a good TD bet. Top three chargers to score TDs. All their, all of their, their guys hit there. Eckler was minus 157 for an anytime touchdown. Keenan Allen plus 118, and Mike Williams plus 160. Uh, so they all got into the box yesterday against the Denver Broncos. That was a rough one to watch. Let's move on to Drew Locke though, because there's a few, there's three things I want to talk about concerning Locke. First of all, I thought he'd go over his passing yards two weeks ago or, or last week. This past week, he blasted through his number, 189 and a half. I mean, they didn't score more than 13 points. They probably should have had 20, if not for the just the ineptitude down there by the goal line. But 189 and a half yards, he kind of did what I thought he'd do in that uh, last loss of the Raiders, which was throw for over 200 yards. He hit 245. So if you bet lock over, congrats to you. Uh, here's the one. And I saw this bet yesterday before lock of the game, and I didn't give any thought to betting it. Bet Rivers does something cool with quarterbacks. And I think they do it with some other players too, but they'll go head-to-head -head passing yards. Uh, Justin Herbert and Drew Locke. And plus 260. So you're getting 2.6 to 1. Plus 260 for Locke to beat Herbert in passing yards. And believe it or not, he did it. On that final drive, he got to 245 yards. Herbert had just 237. I'm not going to go back to the well this week thinking that Drew Locke is going to beat out Patrick Mahomes for passing yards. But I really thought that was absolutely fascinating. That a bet I wouldn't have even thought of laying. Long shot, 260. Like, I would have needed plus 400 for that to happen. You got it at 260. That's a winner. Good for you. Um, two others. Locked not to throw an interception, plus 220. And he didn't. And again, three straight appearances without a, an interception. Can we trust that to happen against the Chiefs if this goes to 2-1 to one even, or maybe it stays at plus 220? That will be a decision that I'm going to have to think of throughout the week. It really is fascinating, isn't it? Because here's a guy that has struggled with interceptions. And now Pat Shermer's number one thing is don't turn the ball over. We don't care if you don't move the ball. We don't care if you don't score points. Our number one, well, I don't want to say they don't care, but I did. The number one objective with Drew Locke under center for Pat Shermer seems to be don't turn the ball over. So, you know, if you're getting two to one for him not to throw an interception next week, whoo. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to lay off of that one. But then again, you have to remember who this guy is. Uh, he is, and we know who he is. He's a guy that turns the ball over a lot. Uh, the last one, told you, Javante under 56 and a half rush yards. And if we're anywhere, high 30s and above, 
I'm betting the under. And, and I hope that he plays. And I actually would love to see him, you know, have a nice couple of uh, have a nice game before the season ends. But if I'm betting against him, then you know, throw that out the window. Javante is a stud. Javante is going to be here for a while. Javante is going to be great. Um, I just don't see. I don't see him having too much success against the Chiefs, especially since the Chiefs still have something to play for. Okay, let's get into our next subject, and that would be the subject of Antonio Brown. Personal note, big Antonio Brown fan as a player. I really do feel peak Antonio Brown, probably one of the top 10 wide receivers I've ever seen. Like those last four or five years with Pittsburgh, he was just, he, he was on another level. And even when he came back and played with Tom Brady, he was a legitimate stud, like a legit wide receiver one. It was Brady's favorite target. You must have been just as blown away as I was watching Antonio Brown walk off the field in the middle of the game. And it's interesting because I did have money on the, uh, the Jets and the Buccaneers. I had money on that game. Uh, it was an in-game bet for the Bucks to come back and win. I, I want to say it was around 116. And I'm saying to myself, boy, uh, what's going on here? They showed a little clip of Antonio Brown uh, walking off the field, walking through the end zone. It didn't make any sense. He had no shirt on. So then you go back in time and you, you hear from Bruce Arians, you hear from Tom Brady, and they just said, listen, uh, we wanted him to go into the game. He said his ankle hurt him too much. Then, you know, they, one guy said they released him on the sideline. Another says that he just walked off and then they got rid of him. Whatever it is, it's just, it, it was a complete debacle there with Antonio Brown. And is this the weirdest thing that's ever happened with Antonio Brown? I mean, he didn't get frostbite in a cryo chamber and missed time there. It's, it's a sad story. And again, I'll just go back to this. I think this, as far as talent and production, you know, for a few years there with Pittsburgh, one of the greatest wide receivers in the history of the league. And I truly believe that. I, I truly do believe that. So fast, so skilled, great hands, just a great wide receiver. And ultimately, whatever has been haunting him throughout his career, has it's just culminated now uh, to a point to where he just did something that I think a, a normal, functioning, completely sane person does not do. Okay, and I'm going back, by the way, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, 18, almost six years of just elite play, elite play. And if he was able to put together one more season, he's probably staring at the Hall of Fame right now. And I'm not kidding you with that. It's a hell of a returner, too. Um, but... It's just been one thing after another with this man. I, let, let me give you some examples, okay? Last three years, Rick Stroud, great beat reporter with the Bucks, kind of came up with a little list here. Uh, December of 2018, week 17 for the Steelers. Um, deactivated, threw a ball at a teammate in practice. February, released after he forced his way out. And, and, and listen, as somebody, and I don't want to get too technical with mental illness, as somebody very familiar uh, with bipolar disorder, people in my, my family, something that I have struggled with in the past. Uh, change of appearance is often a telltale sign. And that's when Antonio Brown like dyed his hair blonde and he had that mustache. He's changed his appearance drastically on numerous occasions now. So 2019, he's bumped by the Steelers. They trade him a month later in March. He goes for a third and a fifth to the Raiders. 
So July of that year, we have training camp, right? They have training camp. And he's on the non-football injury list. He was in that cryotherapy uh, chamber or cryotherapy for his foot, ends up getting frostbite, can't practice. And then, and it was funny because, you know, who likes the Raiders? Then you see him not show up for training camp because of his helmet. I mean, he makes up this helmet thing and he doesn't show up for training camp. So, you know, the Raiders lost a third and a fifth round pick for this guy. And then he, he put a, an Instagram post out there saying, get rid of me basically in September of 2019. They got rid of him. He begged for his release on Instagram. So then the Patriots pick him up. Okay. And the day after they got him, this was September 9th. So September 10th, the day after they got him, a former trainer accused Antonio Brown of sexual assault. There was also a reported second incident of sexual misconduct. And then 11 days after they signed him, the Patriots got rid of him. Then, then January of 2020. So we're looking two years ago, felony burglary with battery and two misdemeanors for incident, uh, for incident with a moving truck company. So felony burglary, two misdemeanors, battery, no contest, didn't go to jail, didn't go to jail. Suspended eight games in 2020 for violating the personal conduct policy in the NFL. I mean, this is a resume we're reading off here. Then, after the eight-game suspension, right? During the season, the Bucs, Tom Brady's like, we got to go get this guy. We got to go get this guy. And Tom Brady must be a really, they must have a really, really special bond. Because there's no doubt in my mind that Brady went to the Tampa Bay Brass and said, listen, because of this fake Vax card, we still got to have this guy to win a Super Bowl. It's bizarre. Uh, and I actually applaud Tom Brady. I don't know if he has been somebody um, that has kind of shielded Antonio Brown, but I will say that at least he understands that there is a mental issue with Brown. And he came out and in this press conference, he's like, we need compassion for this guy. He's going through a tough time. He is. And I really hope Antonio Brown gets the help he needs. Truly, truly. I don't like to see this in anybody. And this is obviously a man who has struggled with mental health now for the minimum of, what, three years? A minimum of three years. And it's probably been longer than that. So he gets the eight-game suspension. He comes back. He signs the one-year deal with the Bucks. He caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl victory with the Bucks last year. The guy won a Super Bowl after all of this. And then last month, three-game suspension for the fake vaccination card, which at that point in time, the Bucks should have let the guy go. Uh, why? There was a zero-tolerance policy for this guy and then this embarrassing incident. But that's why I think Tom Brady really had something to do with this trying to keep him on the team. And it just, and it just gets weirder. Uh, again, he, he's on a sideline. I'm watching this game. I'm saying, man, he's going to have a great game. Antonio Brown's going to tear up the Jets. No. He, he takes his shirt and his shoulder pads off, throws them on the side. He's shirtless, takes his gloves off, throws his shirt into the stands, throws his gloves into the stands, walks through the end zone during the game. Peace out sign, number one sign, and he's gone. And then Bruce Arian says he's no longer a buck. Uh, this, this really 
was one of the more bizarre incidents we've seen in the National Football League. This is a man that does not deserve the right to play in the National Football League anymore. And more importantly than anything else, please, somebody around him, somebody around him, get the man help. This is not, this is not the, this is not how a normal functioning brain functions. These are things that people struggling with mental health end up doing and regretting long-term. Okay. We'll come back. Uh, Monday Night Football, give you a little pick for that one and then get out of here. It's the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Time to put a bow on the show here in the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Monday Night Football game. I'm going to give you a bet here. So this has been a fascinating line move, and you'll see we've been seeing a lot of this with the COVID issues, with everybody going on the list. You'll, it, it, to me, it's it's made it almost impossible to bet games. Um, you know, anything more than maybe 24 hours out, because you just don't know who's going to be popping on the list. You know, I saw this line. Could you imagine if you bet this line when it opened and the Browns were three and a half point favorites? And it's moved seven points. This never happened. Seven point line move. And we haven't really seen any big names get ruled out of this game uh, over the last couple of days since the line started moving, really since yesterday. My only guess is that the Browns got eliminated from the playoffs. The Steelers have like a 2% chance to get to the playoffs. They have to... Uh, win tonight they got to win at Baltimore and then the Colts have to lose to the Jaguars but Steelers are still alive they're 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one. they go 9-7-1 and one. Um, they'll, they'll get to the playoffs uh, if the Colts end up losing but this line movement really is wild so it went from three and a half down to one after Cleveland was eliminated and now the line continues to move I saw it at minus one at minus two at minus three when I started taping the show, now minus three and a half on Bet Rivers. The total has moved up a little bit from 41 to 43 and a half. That's interesting. This is going to be Big Ben's final home game. Okay. A uh, couple of stats. Let me throw some stats out at you and then I'll tell you why I'm making the bet that I am making. The Steelers are 28th in DVOA against the run, they're 24th in expected points added. Uh, per rush. So they are horrible against the run. And Cleveland's going to go out there. They're going to get Kareem Hunt back, but Nick Chubb is going to run the ball a whole bunch. I think this is going to be a slower paced game. Okay. Uh, next, Ben is throwing the ball 6.8 air yards per attempt. That is 30th in the league. He has a noodle arm. Uh, the big plays aren't coming unless his receivers do it with the yards after the catch, which is possible with Deontay Johnson and Claypool and even Najee Harris, but limiting the big plays, they just haven't been there. Um, the Browns are going to be without their starting quarterback, Troy Hill, and both their safeties, their starting safeties, Ronnie Harrison Jr. 
and John Johnson the third. So those guys are out. If you're going to have injuries, though, injuries to the secondary is the way to go. Now, you still want a safety to come up, help against the run, but these are not these are not injuries to me that are going to affect my bet very, very much. Okay, so here's here's where I'm going with this. And the last thing to say, five divisional games so far. Um, in their divisional games so far, so they played four. They have not scored 21 points in any of their division games yet. The Steelers have yet to score um, 21 points or more in any of their games. So here's what I'm going. First of all, I think the Steelers win this game. I do think they are better than the Browns. Uh, and then Big Ben just owns them. He is 24-3-1 against Cleveland. Like, they have not beaten the Steelers when he's there. He hasn't lost a home game to them in the regular season. It's, it's amazing, these numbers. It's his last game at Pittsburgh. I do think the Steelers win this. Do I think they win it by a field goal or more? I'm not sure. I'm just going to hit the money line. I'm going to do a same game parlay. How about that? We're going to go the Pittsburgh money line, and then we're going to go under 22.5 team total for the Steelers. Not a good offense. I'd, I'd say it's anemic, an anemic offense. A guy that owns another team, a team that owns another team. Obviously, emotions are going to be high there. Plus 550, same game parlay, half a unit. Under 22.5 team total for the Steelers, Steelers money line. If you just feel more comfortable betting the team total than the side, I'm fine with that. Under 22.5 could be a show play too. So I'll throw them both out there. The single game parlay, half unit, Steelers. Money line under 22 and a half team total for the Steelers and then under 22 and a half team total for the Steelers. I feel even stronger about that. You're not going to I'm not going to bet the Pittsburgh money line at minus money. Um, big, big minus money is what I should say. What is it at now? 148. Yeah, that's that's past my threshold. So if you want to bet the Steelers money line, you could tag it with the minus 20 or the 22 and a half under total. But I just don't see the Steelers putting up big points. I don't see the Browns. Uh, putting up monster points either. Uh, that kind of correlates to the game under as well. But the two the two that really pop for me, Moneyline Steelers, throw it with the under 22.5 total on Bet Rivers at plus 550. Thank you very much to Ian St. Clair, Play Colorado, my friend, for hopping on the show once again. Thanks to all of you for watching or listening. Follow me on Twitter, at Holden Radio. And thank you very much for checking out the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.